Om Namo Narayanaya. This is a recording of a talk of James Swartz on the Bhagavad Gita at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. Sadashiva Samarambam Shankaracharya Madhyamam Asmaracharya Paryantam Vande Guru Paramparam Ishwaro Gurabeti Murti Veda Vivagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namaha Sarva Vedanta Siddhanta Gocharam Tamagocharam Govindam Paramanandam Sadgurum Pranatosmiham Om Chapter 15 Bhagavad Gita Supreme Being Krishna said Maya is like a great imperishable tree with roots in the heaven in, in awareness, its branches stretching far below into the world of men. The Vedas are its leaves. The one who knows it is a knower of the Vedas. Nourished by the gunas, its foliage spreads both upwards and downwards. The sense objects are its buds. Secondary roots stretch down into the world of men binding them to the karmic wheel. In this world, it's not possible to understand, this is Maya, we're talking Maya. They liken it to a tree, an upside-down tree. The root is here in awareness. And this is the tree. All this is just a symbol. It's a beautiful symbol from a Chandogya Upanishad find it throughout Vedic literature. Urdhvamulamadashyakam ashvatam prahuravyayam chandam siyasya parnani yastam vedasa vedavita Things like that. And the whole Gita is about this relationship between consciousness and maya. And he says the interesting thing about Maya about this world is what? In this world, it's not possible to understand its nature. It's called anirvachaniya. You can. Why can't you understand this tree of existence? This tree of existence. It's 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 never the same from one minute to the next. As soon as you know something here, that something has changed. And it's become something else. From one second to the next, nothing here is the same. So what you think you know is just a memory of an object. In other words, we're always living in the past. (laughs) If you think you know something, you only know the thought of the something. By the time you have the knowledge of an object, it's changed. And you don't have the knowledge anymore. It's new. You can never really know what it is. It's just like a film, a movie. Every second changing, 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 changing. Why? Because it has no beginning and no end and seemingly no source. It's not awareness, but it's not the world either, is it? 
It's Sat Asat Vilakshanam. I have a whole talk on this, big long talk on this Maya. It's neither what? It isn't awareness, but it's not different from awareness. It's not the same as awareness, but it's not different either. And it's what? It's not the same as the effects, but it's not different from the effects either. This is very difficult to understand. How can you understand something that has no beginning and no end? It's eternal. Like the chicken and the egg. How do you how do you make a sense out of did did the chicken come first or the egg come first? Is there any way to resolve that issue? Is there any way to say, huh, that the chicken came first or the egg came first? There's no way to, to, to solve that problem, is there? That's the same as Maya. There's no way to say. Did the karma create the, the, the field of existence or did the field of existence create the karma? What's the difference between the vasana and the karma? Where's the difference? The va- in, the va- in the karma is the seed what, that produces the next vasana and the vasana then produces the next karma. So is there any actual separation between the chicken and the egg, between the vasana and the karma? Hmm? Between anything here in this world? What is it? It looks like it's real, but what? Look at the shirt. It looks like a shirt, but when we start looking at it, we start investigating this shirt, we can't find a shirt, can we? All I have to do to get rid of the shirt is look at it from the level of the cotton. I look at the shirt from the level of the cotton and what happens? There's no shirt. You say it's a shirt, I say it's cotton. Well, it's a shirt for you, but it's cotton for me because I'm seeing cotton here. I don't see shirt. You see the shirt, you don't see the cotton. So what is it? Is it cotton or a shirt? Well, it's what you see it. It's, huh? it's what you project. So, is it, is it, does it have a real nature that you can say? No. It's only what you put on it. There is, that's what Buddha means by emptiness. <laughs> form is emptiness and emptiness is form. There, huh? The forms are empty, they're devoid of meaning. You can't find any meaning in them. There, where, where's the chair? Where's the chair? You're sitting on the chair, sir. No, I'm sitting on wood. <laughs> you say, I'm, I don't see a chair, I see wood. You only see a chair, you don't see the wood. Maybe you do see the wood here. But when, when I say, what are you sitting on? You say, you don't say wood, do you? I say, what am I sitting on? You'll say a chair. But why don't you say you're sitting on wood? Well, what is it? Is it a wood or a chair? <laughs> well, the, the chair uh, has no independent existence apart from the wood, does it? Anything that depends upon something else can't be real, can it? Real means what? 
stands alone, free, doesn't depend upon anything. That's what real means. So how are we going to figure this thing out? <laughs> he, he said, it's not possible to under, understand its nature. You can think you know it, but you only know the thought of it. You'll never know it. And we're not trying to teach you what maya is. We're just using the idea of maya and consciousness to take away your ignorance. That's all. When, when you realize who you are, you won't be left with an idea about the world or consciousness. You'll only be left as consciousness. You only remain as, as one eternal, present, unchanging, conscious being. And you won't, you won't say, I know this or I know that. All you can say is, I know myself, and that's it. I know the wood. What's to talk of the chair if I know the wood? What's to say about the chair? I'm the ocean. Why bother with the waves? I can't. I can't talk about the waves because the waves are me, aren't they? So how, huh? So all I have to do is know myself and I know everything that exists, isn't it? I know all the names and forms. What is it? Knowing which, everything else is known. That's what the it says in the Vedas. What is it? Knowing which, you know everything. Now people think, oh, that means if I get enlightened, then I'll know, I'll know what my wife is thinking. <laughs> right? I'll know what's happening in China. I'll know where Vladimir Putin is now. Vladimir Putin has disappeared. Last week or so, nobody has seen Vladimir Putin. So, but if I know if I know this, then I'll know everything. I'll know where Vladimir is, what he's up to. <laughs> <laughs> Only Ishwara knows where Vladimir Putin is. But I know where Vladimir Putin is. You know why? Because Vladimir Putin is just an idea in my mind, in consciousness. And I know that what? That idea, Vladimir Putin, is what? Is nothing but myself appearing in the form of the idea of Vladimir Putin. Well, nobody ever sees Vladimir Putin. They only see the thought of Vladimir Putin, including Vladimir Putin. He doesn't see Vladimir Putin either. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's only consciousness. So all I have to do is, that's what the statement is, that's what Vedanta said, there is only consciousness. There is not anything but consciousness. So when you're seeing anything, you're seeing consciousness. Every form and name is nothing but consciousness. Just like the every wave is nothing but the ocean. Every every ring and, and bracelet and necklace and, and so forth is nothing but gold. How far is the gold how far is the ring from the gold? Where's the ring? 
it's it. I don't see the ring. I see gold. That's it. When you take it, when you take, I had a beautiful Buddha that was given to me in Thailand. It was gold, 22 karat gold, and it had a gold chain. And I, I ran out of money a few years ago. I had no money, and I was in India. So, and it was really beautiful, and I really loved it. And I had a lot of shakti. I put in, I worshipped it, and really looked after it very much. But I was broke, so I had to sell it. And I went to this goldsmith in India because you get more money for gold in India. And and uh, and he didn't see the Buddha or the chain. <laughs> it didn't mean anything to him, huh? Well, he, all he saw was how many carrots and how much it was worth. That's it. That was gold to him. It didn't mean anything. Where was my Buddha? My Bu there was no Buddha. There was just a lump of gold there. That's all. <laughs> Appearing in the form of a Buddha. So how are you going to understand something that what? Doesn't have any substance. It doesn't have any meaning. That just huh, generates images all the time. Maya is just generating endless images out of consciousness. Trees, dogs, cats, angels, devils, sun, moon, the stars, etc., etc., etc. Endlessly generating all these images out of itself. What can you say about it? As soon as it's created, it's destroyed. So... But, you know, if you try to seek knowledge in, the, in this world, you will what? You'll end up frustrated. Look at the scientists. They want to figure out what the cause of the universe is. They're stuck in the universe. They're analyzing everything here in the universe, and they can't figure out what the cause is. No wonder they can't. Because <laughs> it's empty. It's just a form. It has no substance. That's what he means. Form is emptiness. Form is devoid of substance. Even when you touch it, if 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 when you touch an object, whatever it is, huh? You only what do you do? You know the whole paper when I touch the paper. First of all, I can't feel the back of it, can I? And secondly, if I close my eyes, what? I don't even know what color it is or what shape it is. All I feel when my eyes are closed is some sensations. And there is no what. If I didn't know what I was touching, huh, and my hand was put on it for the first time, I couldn't tell you what I was touching. All I could feel was sensations in my mind, wasn't it? I wouldn't know what it was I was touching. Because every sense organ only delivers sensations. It had qualities properties of objects. It never, what your senses never ever know a substance. They only know the qualities or the properties of a substance. So how how is it that, that any object can be known? And, and you only know the part of the object that that sense organ uh, delivers. Right? What I see with my eyes, I can't what see with hear with my ears, what I hear with my ears, I can't touch with my skin. Each organ just gives you a little bit <laughs> of everything, and then somehow those little bits 
and they aren't even what? They aren't even the actual object that you're experiencing. They're little bits of the object that the mind is putting all together into an idea. What you're actually experiencing is only the idea, but the idea is made out of what? Just, yeah. Just sensations, vasanas. Properties, qualities. Ever-changing qualities. And then you say, I know that object. But you don't. You only know the appearance of an object. So you say, this, this Maya tree, this, these forms there, there's really nothing to understand here. Every, with every, every advance in knowledge, huh, in Maya, in this apparent reality, with every advance, there's an advance in ignorance. The more you understand something, the more you understand how much you don't understand about that. Isn't it? How about cancer? They've been trying to figure out cancer now. They spent trillions of dollars on cancer research, and they still don't know what causes cancer. <laughs> and they still haven't been able to find a cure for cancer, have they? Because there's nothing there. It's just a, an idea. And there's no solution here. Is what he's, that's the point. Cut, and how do you get rid of this? <laughs> this damn tree, this tree of existence. You cut its well-entrenched roots with the firm act of non, acts of non-attachment. You, how do you do that? By understanding that it's not real. You only keep trying to get something in this world uh, to understand something in this world because you think it's real, don't you? But if it's not real, then how are you going to understand it? How are you going to experience it? What, huh? Understand? If, if you understood what the world was, you wouldn't waste your time trying to understand it, trying to gain something from it. Huh? <laughs> you just wouldn't waste your time. Huh? It's only the belief that there's actually something there that causes, that it's real, and if I get it, I'll be happy. Huh? It's only that belief that keeps me like trying to dig more meaning out of the forms out of money, out of power, out of love, out of sex, out of food, out of who knows, education, out of this, out of that. I keep trying to like get more and more knowledge and more and more pleasure and more and more this and that and the other thing and I'm never satisfied. <laughs> you never get satisfied. With every, huh? Why? Because there's actually no satisfaction there. It doesn't, there's no substance there to satisfy you. There's only qualities. There's only forms. There's only the appearance of reality. There's not actual reality. There's no actual reality there. 
Just like, hey, you got wood here, where's the chair? That's what we mean by, you know, there's no joy in the objects. I, I think that the happiness is in the object. <laughs> the happiness is my nature, the anandam. I'm conscious, I'm aware, and I'm full. I'm anandam, I'm bliss. And yet what? I think the object, if I get the object, it's going to make me happy. And, and he says, if you do this, if you cut the axe of this, if you cut the root of this tree here, what will happen? And the path from which there is no return, self-inquiry, will open up to you. There's nothing left, huh? If you cut that root, in other words, if you become completely disillusioned and dis dispassionate toward the world, what, what's left? you immediately turn around and go to yourself. You That's what happened to me. I was totally worldly. I was, this, I was this big, fat, rich, chain-smoking, alcoholic, sex-crazed businessman. <laughs> and I was none too honest either. I was a liar and a cheat. I stole I, I stole money like you wouldn't believe it in very clever ways. <laughs> and one day I realized there was nothing there. Huh? One day I just it was the most amazing experience. It just it I, I, you could read it about in my book. I don't want to tell the whole story, but uh, it was. And for, I realized that it was absolutely, totally empty. I couldn't feel anything in the world anymore. I was so dead to the world. I just completely dead to the world. And suddenly I, I had this huge vision of awareness. The whole room just filled up with light, with awareness. And there was so much peace and there was so much bliss that you could have eaten it with your hand. It was so thick. And I saw God like I see you. Just radiant and blissful and gentle and peaceful and full and I realized oh and suddenly what happened my whole life turned around I was going this way before and after that I was going this way just the opposite way and I realized this was absolutely empty of meaning it was such a powerful experience you know within six months I I'd lost 50 pounds, I quit drinking, I quit smoking, I quit making love with married women. I... <laughs> <laughs> Grew my hair long, sold my business. Huh? Just everything, just the total opposite way. You wouldn't have, if you'd met me six months later, you wouldn't even have recognized the same person. Because I, because I saw Hey, there's nothing here. It's so empty. It's so meaningless. If it was meaningful, then you'd be, huh? Then you wouldn't have to, what? Keep trying all these things. Keep changing all the time. Keep trying to reinvent yourself and fix your life up and find something more interesting to do. Huh? It's what, huh? You wouldn't do that Cause, huh? because you'd be happy, you'd be satisfied. So, 
to succeed on that path to that being from whom, uh, what? To succeed on that path, what do you do? Surrender to that being uh, from whom this eternal creation is projected. Surrender to Ishwara. That means what? See everything as Ishwara. Lose your sense of separateness and specialness and individuality. See yourself as just one one little unit in this great big thing and stop trying to be different and special. Accept yourself as you are. Understand that you can't be any other, other way than the way you are. I was never happy with myself until that moment. Until I accepted myself as I was. I, I, I couldn't... God made me stare at myself in the mirror until I accepted myself totally. I saw what a, a, a corrupt, ugly person I was. And I, I didn't want to look. I didn't want to look, but I couldn't not look. God made me look. Ishwara forced me to look. And I couldn't stop, I couldn't take my mind off of that knowledge about myself until I completely accepted that knowledge. It was impossible. It was impossible. So you surrender. You let go. You stop trying to be somebody, to be something, to gain something. And you surrender to Ishwara. Hey, without you I'm nothing. Everything I am, I owe to you. And suddenly all of that striving and all that seeking and all that dissatisfaction disappears. And you get a clear vision of where you need to go and what you need to do. Your whole life goes the other way. Away from this sansara. You just turn around about face. You're looking this way one minute, and the next minute you're looking the other way. When you understand that this is an empty, empty, empty place. And that you are the fullness that fills the emptiness. Hmm? That emptiness is illumined by what? By the bliss, by the awareness, the light of your own consciousness. And this thing that's empty is actually what? Full of you. And that you're free of it. You shine on it. And infuse it. Whatever meaning the object has is meaningful because of you. You don't... The, the object, the, the experience, the event doesn't what? Make you meaningful. You don't look for life to validate you. You don't look for experiences to validate you. You what? You know that I validate every experience simply by shining on that experience. That experience means something because I shine on that experience. And that's the only reason it has any meaning. As soon as I take my light away from that, that object, that experience, poof, is gone. I'm the meaning of everything, not the object doesn't give me meaning. Nothing can fill me, I'm already full. To gain that imperishable end, 
from which there is no return. Fix your mind on the self. Always, always fix your mind on the self. Always think of the self. Never, huh? Never stop thinking of who you are and what you do. And free yourself from the need for respect. Why do you want respect? You want respect because you want other people to tell you that you're okay. Huh? <laughs> you want other people to tell you that you're okay. What do they know? <laughs> huh? Why would you why would you want somebody to love you? What do they know? They don't have a clue who you are. You say, free, free, free yourself from the need for respect, <coughs> from attachment to objects. What can an object do for you? Without you, the object has no meaning. Understand? And from the push and pull of the opposites. That means what? Understand that this is a zero-sum game. And you don't get any, you can't lose here, but you can't win here either. That's what it means, free yourself. Free yourself means understand. You can't win and you can't lose, which means what? It doesn't mean anything. I keep thinking, oh, I can win here. I can, huh? And every time you lose, what happens? Your self-esteem goes down. And every time you win, your ego goes up. You feel puffed up with pride. Oh, I'm really cool. I'm successful. But there's no winning here. And there's no losing. Why? Because it's empty. <laughs> it's just an empty form. That's all it is. Understand? Don't feed the desire for objects. The desire for objects is there, but don't feed it. In other words, what? Understand this fact and realize that by think through everything when you do it. This is what the meaning is here. When you have a desire, when you want, stop, sit back, and think it through. Huh? What is the end result of this ch chain of actions and emotions that I'm, I'm initiating in my attempt to gain some object? What am I going to actually get at the end? Don't just mindlessly what? flow with that desire and do whatever you need to do. Think about it, he's saying. Now, don't feed the desire by just jumping on it and going with it. Stand back and analyze it. What am I going to get here? What's the end result? Will I be any different when I get it than I am now? And the answer is always no. Temporarily you'll feel better if you get it. Or, and temporarily you'll feel worse if you don't. And you never know what it's, how it's going to turn out, do you? You don't know. Because it's not up to you. You can have the best intentions and do the best actions and you can fail miserably. You can get exactly the opposite of what you want. <laughs> you can have the most the bad, worst intentions and do everything wrong and get something wonderful. You never know what the result will be. And when, when, when all is said and done, yeah, if you're ignorant, you're still going to be ignorant. 
<laughs> if you're ignorant of who you are, huh, when you get an object, you will be ignorant when you what? Get the object. When, you know, you'll, you'll be as ignorant when you get it as you were before. Because no object can make you huh, full. You'll still feel incomplete, and then you'll want another object. Huh? Oh, God, talk about boring. Talk about awful to keep chasing, chasing, chasing huh? for these things. You know, I tell my mother, she's 77, I, I asked her, you know, are you ready to die? She said, no. I said, why not? She said, I need five more years. I said, well, five, why do you need five? I've got at least, I can fill five years so I can do things. I have things, at least five more years I need. I didn't, you know, what? You've lived 77 years and you need five more to what? What are you going to get that you didn't get in 77? And, it, and when she's 82, what's she going to say? I need another five. <laughs> she did? Oh, she died before she died. <laughs> but it's always that way, isn't it? Huh? It's always that way. You always want to live one more day. What do you think you're going to get tomorrow that you don't have right now? Huh? What exactly are you going to get? You're you today and you're you tomorrow and you're you the next day and you're only you. You're either you ignorant or you're you, what, understanding yourself. That's it. So seek to know what you are. And then you'll stop chasing things and you'll get to enjoy things happily. We're not saying you shouldn't do things and enjoy things. We're saying you should do things because you're full and complete. You should do actions happily. You shouldn't do actions for happiness. That's why he says, don't feed these desires. I act happily, not for happiness. Neither this, and he talks about himself, talks about the Lord, talks about himself. Neither the sun, nor the moon, nor the fire illumines that from which one does not return. That is my limitless abode. In the world, a part of me huh, exists as the indweller, the eternal individual. This little jiva is just a tiny little part, huh, a little ray of consciousness. When the indweller leaves the body, it gathers the five senses and the mind and enters a new body, just as wind carries the fragrance of a flower far afield, presiding over the ear, the eye, the senses of touch, taste, and smell, and the mind, this eternal person experiences the sense objects. The deluded do not see the guna-driven one experiencing through the body, now or when it departs. But those with the eye of wisdom see. By making an effort, yogis apprehend. Yogis means inquirers. Yogis apprehend the self, shining in the mind, when the mind is prepared in sattvic. They see that self shining there. Said. But immature people who lack discrimination do not see the self shining there, even if they make an effort. The light because of which the sun and the moon shine, the light illumining all the worlds, is me. I also enter the earth 
and sustain beings with my energy. I nourish all vegetations, and I am the essence, the soma, of all things. I am the digestive fire in the bodies of all living beings, and I cook the food. I have entered the hearts of all beings. I am that love that you feel. Huh? That's yourself. That love that you feel for objects and for yourself, that is yourself. Right? That love of, that's here, that you always feel for yourself and for objects. You always love something. And that love that you feel here is the I. That's yourself. He says, Because I am in them, means all these beings, they gain, because I am in them, they gain knowledge, they remember, and they forget. I alone am the object of Vedic knowledge. I am the author of the Vedanta Sampradaya, means what? The scripture comes from you, from awareness, from the truth, and the knower of the Vedas. Two selves, one perishable and the other imperishable. Perishable is what? From the cause of body on down is perishable. That means it's always changing. The other one what? Imperishable. The other one is unchanging. That's maya or the cause of body. That's eternal. It says two selves exist in the world. The conscious beings and matter, they're all, it's all down here. Matter and the conscious beings are all down here in this portion of the, of the tree of sansara. Conscious beings and matter are perishable. The unmanifest, the causal body, is imperishable. But, uttama purushasvanyaha paramatme tudarata he says, he said, other than these two is what? The self beyond these two selves, beyond this unmanifest and this manifest self. He said, but other than these is the self beyond the selves, the limitless, changeless awareness that has entered the three worlds and sustain them, sustains them. Because I am beyond change and changelessness. Uttama purushasvanyaha paramatme. I'm the paramatma, paramatme. The one that's beyond change and changeless. I'm the knower of the change and the knower of the changeless. If you're talking about change, that implies changelessness, doesn't it? If you're talking about changelessness, you talk you imply change. To say the word change means there's something that's unchanging. To say there's something unchanging means that there's something that changes. So that's duality, isn't it? I'm the knower of those two. I'm the knower of what's eternal and then I'm the knower of what's perishable. I'm beyond what? Those two. Beyond duality. Because I'm beyond change and changelessness, I am indestructible. Therefore, 
I am renowned as the supreme being. That's called Uttama Purusha. If you know me in this way, you become the knower of everything, the self in all. Ishwara too knows what? All the facts. Ishwara one knows everything as what? As awareness. And the Ajnani is what? Ishwara one. He has identified itself, himself as that conscious, awareful, eternal presence inside himself. And what? He's identified with that and he sees everything as himself, as awareness. If you know me in this way, you become a knower of everything, the self in all, of all. O Arjuna, this is the most profound teaching. Knowing this, you're enlightened and have accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished in this life. What to say? Time over, time out. <laughs> Yeah, you actually can cut, quote, stop there. That's the essence of the Gita right there. And uh, the rest of it is, is helpful, extremely helpful, you know, for working on yourself. So we'll, uh, this evening at, at, what, 7? Seven? 7, yeah. Yeah, at 7 we'll come back and we'll um, do chapter 16 and chapter 17. Good. Thank you for listening to the talk of James Wards on the Bhagavad Gita, recorded at Yogavitya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. More information on shiningworld.com and yoga-vidya.org.